Oh, dear. So Chateau Picard is abandoned in this era. Nearly a century at this point. During the Second World War, when the Nazis occupied France, they used this house as a base of operations. My ancestors only survived by hiding in the tunnels below. Where'd they go? England. Welcome to Strange New Takes. I'm your host, Nash Carnigan. With me, blurring a boombox on the bus are... Bill Boywad. Emily Bowen-Marler. And Adam Bowen. Welcome to Strange New Takes. Today, today we're covering Season 2, Episode 4 of Star Trek Picard, Watcher. Please tell your friends to listen to our podcast and to follow us on social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at Strange New Takes. It's a, it's a great time. And if you enjoy the pod, uh, why don't you tell our friends about us and, uh, and give us a, a favorable rating on Apple Podcasts. <clears throat> and I just have to let you all know, if you haven't seen the episode Watcher from this season of Star Trek Picard, you may want to go do that before listening to this because we're totally going to spoil it. And we're also going to spoil lots of other Star Trek because of all the Easter eggs scattered throughout. So just be warned. All right. Well, as Adam told you, we're discussing the fourth episode of the second season of Star Trek Picard. It's called Watcher. First aired on 24th March 2022. The teleplay is by Juliana James and Jane Maggs. The story is by Travis Fickett and Juliana James. And it is directed by Leah Thompson. More on that in a minute. In universe date, April 12th, 2024. One of the rare occasions on which we have a month, date, and a precise year as well for a Star Trek episode. Here's a summary for Memory Alpha, with time running out to save the future, Picard takes matters into his own hands and seeks out an old friend for help. Meanwhile, Rios ends up on the wrong side of the law, and Gerardi makes a deal with the Borg Queen. Alright, we always start with our strange new takes. Crew, which of you has a strange new take for me? I can jump in here. So, um... I am such an easy mark if you're like a kid selling like candy or cookies for like any, it doesn't really matter what you're fundraising for. And I like, I try to like kind of watch what I eat or at least like, but you know, try to exercise some restraint, but that all goes out the window if the kid from down the street is like raising money to go to Disneyland or something. Uh, there's like, or like his Girl Scouts, like, yeah, I'll just give me 10 boxes at the next, like, fine. <laughs> hey, at least they freeze. <laughs> right. No, I don't need to because I eat them quickly enough to just. <laughs> <laughs> That's a wasted bit of time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so uh, anyway, I, for this episode, I just uh, Loved it. I thought all the self-referential Easter eggs were tasteful and I enjoyed them. And it, you know, with the big reveal at the end, which is that the Watcher is Laris or like human Laris or something, it almost felt like a little bit um, like Lost or like a Damon Lindelof show mm. where it's like, mm. what? Like, it's like this weird mystery. It's like, what's the story there? And uh, presumably we'll find out over the coming episodes. And I hope it's not a lame <laughs> explanation. <clears throat> 
But yeah, I, I enjoyed it thoroughly. I thought it was great. Um, we are in the middle of a renovation at our church. They're so stressful. Like, you know, anyway, and I just don't, there are lots of things that, do you ever have hindsight? I think we all have hindsight. My hindsight is why didn't I take pictures of everything before anything happened <laughs> so that um, I would know what needed to be in place. And I'm, I'm, you know, I'm just a minister. I'm not a technician or an, you know, I, I just, I, I know how to do a whole lot of things in a mediocre fashion <laughs> that are not part of my job description. But, you know, you just have to know how to do those things when you are in a church. <laughs> anyway, especially if you're in a church that can't afford to hire people who can do all of those things. So, um, yeah, it's just lots of fun. So I'm having lots of lots of stress this week, but it's all good. This is a good way to de-stress, to talk about Star Trek. Um, and so, you know, to uh, renovations, I just want to say, ah! you and I berate you. <laughs> anyway, there's my there's my strange new take about the episode. <laughs> I don't hate the episode. I just had to do a little call out there. So nice. <laughs> well, um, let's see. I was gonna do two Star Trek related strange new takes, but then I'll hold one of them for a little <laughs> bit later. Uh, my first, I guess, strange new take will be that if we need a source of sustainable energy, we should get on the Lenovo Corporation to harvest the energy produced by the hot lava that flows out of its exhaust on the laptop. <laughs> I have never had a laptop that I could fry eggs on, but now I do. I just put a griddle on the back of a Lenovo ThinkPad, have it fire up PowerPoint or anything really, Notepad even. <laughs> <laughs> it'll it'll harness the, you know things from I think the heat death of the universe and Do you have like you... burn marks on your thighs for the times that you've been at yeah, your couch. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, <laughs> um, my my Star Trek related one then is that this is also tangentially related. So the word any words that end in T C H E R remind me of Thatcher, as in former British Prime Minister Margaret Thatcher, who died a few years ago, very controversial figure in England. Uh, much like a Reagan-esque reputation in America, Thatcher has the same in uh, England. And I was then wondering, what if the Watcher is actually Thatcher? So <laughs> Margaret Thatcher from Beyond the Grave is the Watcher, because she's an Elorian too. And yeah, that would, that would really send Picard in a different direction, wouldn't it? So now if it's not Margaret Thatcher, I'm going to be disappointed. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so for my strange new take, uh, I managed to get my hands on a, a Steam Deck. Uh, this would, I don't know if any of you have any idea, idea what that is. Uh, Valve, uh, uh, who uh, makes one of the, the main uh, uh, stores on the internet for you to be able to buy like PC games, uh, is uh, makes the occasional product. And uh, this is essentially a... Um, a portable uh, handheld PC uh, that's running Linux, but is able to uh, play things like Elden Ring and all and lots of other like modern games. Um, so I'm excited to play it out. It's a, I've, this is like one of the first. Uh, I, I, I have this has to be one of the first uh, uh, models that is, has been shipped out because I think I bought it within five minutes of it uh, opening <laughs> uh, up like last July. So <laughs> you have to give uh, me a good review because that could be a potential gift for my husband. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Uh, I so far the the feel of it is really great. I, I've I've only been able to play a little bit on the thing because uh, I got it uh, yesterday at noon. Uh, but 
I've been enjoying it so far. So uh, good feel. Uh, so looking forward to playing it, playing it more. Uh, for the episode itself, uh, I'm just glad that they finally remembered to turn on the cloak. Uh, I, I got... <laughs> Uh, like I I know that this is Chateau Picard, but I don't see why people wouldn't notice like a a very large ship that was on fire went through. I mean I guess it was night, so like maybe nobody everyone everyone in France was asleep uh, <laughs> when they went through the atmosphere. Uh, and yeah, that it's not like we have things like people looking at the sky and like noting when stuff like that happens and then looking for the thing that fell. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, uh, let's go. All right. Well, uh, let's start discussing the episode in more detail. I have, a, I have one thing that I, I feel very stupid for not noticing until this point, but we should point out, which is that this episode, as well as assimilation were directed by Leah Thompson. Leah Thompson being the actress from Back to the Future. Caroline uh, in the City. Maybe no yeah. one else watched that. But. As, in, as in Marty McFly's mom. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. They had a, did, I don't, this was probably from the Ready Room. I don't know if any of you watched the Ready Room, but I saw they showed a clip, like a three-minute clip, of the actors talking about her directing them, and they just really enjoyed her. So it was kind of fun to watch that. I happened to watch that just before we recorded. <laughs> nice. Nice. Well, we start this week's episode uh, at Chateau Picard, and you know Adam helpfully told us about the cloak. Which, by the way, did y'all catch the cloaking sound? Is an old school cloaking sound from the Search for Spock? Oh, really? Oh, really? Klingon, nice Klingon cloak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So presumably, the Confederation stole Klingon cloaking technology. Um, <laughs> but let's let's talk about Picard and Girardi having kind of an extended dialogue sequence picard having some flashbacks to his mother as well what did y'all think about the, the scenes that we had uh at the chateau i i guess uh, I, I don't know if we've had like a, a super clear uh explanation of it before but that this is making me think like is the is the backstory for Picard and like why he has a British accent that they lived in London or something like that before moving to uh, Chateau Picard when he was a, a kid and his accent has somehow held up for 85 years. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe if his whole family had that accent though, you know, and that's who you're spending yeah, most yeah, of your that's, time with. That's fair. Yeah. I, th I thought it was quite tasteful. I mean, it's, it's uh, I admire all the writers who, um, exercised restraint and did not try to come up with some explanation for why Picard is like the most English Frenchman ever. Yeah. Right. So I don't think it's ever been mentioned in canon. And and it's it was just like, oh yeah, we, they they went to England and that was it, right? Was um, this was this brother or father the person we see in TNG when he his goes brother. home? His brother. Robert, did he? Yeah. Did Robert have an accent? I don't. I think he, he had, had a French an English accent. accent. No, he had an English accent also. Oh. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I one of my favorite uh, like videos to watch of Patrick Stewart is hit, uh, there's an I forget which show it is. It's a just a talk show where he's uh, talking about his uh, when they first had him like read the lines for like these are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise, uh, and they had him do it in a French accent. <laughs> it's just the most <laughs> <No>. hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> 
rendition of it before and they're like no no no, no please <laughs> don't do that never well, they do also, that again they also did like test you know uh i can't, can't screen not whatever they do with him having hair because they weren't sure if oh you yeah. know they would be okay with a bald man being captain it's like uh no no he looks much better without the hair don't don't do that i i thought that they, sure. they, it did it went pretty well in because i, I think isn't there like a stargazer flashback where he has a bit of hair yeah, um, and and I thought that that was like acceptable in terms of like because uh, it was like clearly thinning then too or whatever. Well, but... and you look at the episode Inner Light; it's his son that plays his son in the Inner Light, and you can see, oh, really? oh that's clearly genetic. Yeah. <laughs> like his son, his yeah. son's hair was going the same way that his was. But... So, I. Before we get to the Girardi things, I got to say, like, it still is very mysterious to me what we're teeing up with Picard's childhood. Because in this one as well, it, it kind of had like, uh, what, what is that thing where there's a child running through the hotel and it's creepy and there's a horror movie? The Shining? Movie. Is it The Shining? Okay. It had, it had vibes of that where we had this. Like... Well, and the way his mom acts too, like there... Well, and so there was something that he said, um, they had an interview on the Red Room also, like early on in the season, where they were mm-hmm. talking about whether or not Picard is a reliable narrator uh, or narrator mm. for his own <laughs> life. Like that perhaps what the flashbacks he's remembering aren't necessarily actually how things played out. So I just thought that was interesting. I'm like, well, why would they be showing it then? But I don't know, just the way Patrick Stewart talked about it sounded like... Like there might not, it might not be 100% true or 100% mm. rooted in reality. But I also got the feeling that there's something, there's something going on with his mom. Like she doesn't seem very, she doesn't come across as very stable. Um, now granted, if she's, you know, being abused, that could definitely play into it. But I don't know. Mm. There's something interesting about his mother in those flashbacks. She's actually Q. Yeah. yeah, I was going to say that Q, Q is his dad, uh, since we haven't seen him, but... <laughs> uh, yeah, it's 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 still not... I, I, didn't, I didn't catch anything that I could hold on to and say, mm-hmm. like, this is important. Mm-hmm. Did anybody else catch anything in, that, in any of the flashbacks or that you would be like, this is something that might come up later? N- n- not beyond just like the a bit bits of like continuity of like oh they've started the uh, the painting of the the windows uh, because there's there's like a, a pane of glass where you see like a, a bit of the flower design that has uh, appeared in that scene but it's yeah it's uh, n- nothing like hinting as to what is coming up or the, what the big reveal might be. Edith Piaf being the other thing that comes out of that that we get a callback to as well, um, which is the song that Rudy noticed playing, um, I think, at the Chateau. Was it when when Picard goes back in time? Um, or back in time, he switches universes. Mm-hmm. And the, the song that, that I forget, the, the French version, but it's Nothing is Nothing or uh, something to that effect. Which then leads us to the conversation with Girardi, where we get some, I thought, with some really nice moments and Allison Bill continuing to impress us on screen. Everybody nodding, Allison Bill, good at eliciting nods yeah. from my co host. <laughs> yeah, it, it was real good. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, it's interesting because I've always thought of Picard as the consummate introvert. 
but in this scene, he is more extroverted than Jurati is. Jurati's saying that she gets energy from alone time. She doesn't need sleep. She just needs to kind of think to recharge, loves calculus, um, yeah. and finds it calming. And and so I, I guess I liked the character moment there that they gave Jurati. Even, yeah, go ahead, Emily. Oh, I was going to say, and she, I mean, she clearly has a lot of affection for Picard, which I also just, I'm, I'm like, I, I, it makes me think I should have watched season one again, but I didn't. Um, but I just like, you know, the way she calls him Mr. Or just, you know, she just, yeah. she just kind of is in tune to the, she seems to be in tune to the emotions that he's experiencing or when he's kind of getting lost in thought and tries to call him back. And I just, I just find that kind of sweet. Um, and I don't, I'm trying to remember like what that might be rooted in from the, cause I mean, I, I remember her being like that in season one a little bit with him as well, but. Yeah. He's also, I, I'd say also Picard himself in this conversation came off as a less doddering version than we've mm-hmm. seen in the past. He was more energized and when he kind of cracks the code of her picking mm-hmm. out things right. with 15 in them. They're kind of in tune with one another. You know, like there's something, I don't know, that's kind of interesting. It's because they're both Borg now. No. <laughs> but, you right. know, they're just little things like like you don't realize that he's super paying attention to what she's doing and then he's able to pull out the hey you've just done these things that are highlighting the number 15 so i wonder if that's you pulling into your subcon you know like but you don't mm-hmm. even realize that he's doing that until he says it anyway so it was it was interesting watching the interaction between the two of them well and, and she's I guess- so sharp he's so mm-hmm. sharp that he notices that mm-hmm. and I, I i guess the um something like i like how her character has been given room to grow that this season because I, I feel like a lot of a lot of what it hinged on last season was just like Jurati is super naive and then Jurati is like uh, a, a Manchurian candidate type uh, character or something because uh, she talked to Sunglasses Romulan uh, and it's I, I, I just uh, and I guess that there was also like the weird stuff with Bruce Maddox which uh like the book attempts to make a uh, slightly less creepy, but it's, um, I don't know. I, 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 I like this, uh, Jurati that's kind of like broken away from, uh, uh, some of that stuff in the first season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I don't think we wanted that to linger too much longer. Um, well, they pretty quickly cracked the code of April 15th which now places us... Last week, we talked a little bit about we don't know chronologically when this yeah. episode is occurring because we can't tell whether LA is... Uh, uh, what the season, season is. <laughs> In this episode, we see it's cold in France. So, hey, contextual clues, and then they tell us. Well, now Bell- we know they just have to get their taxes done in the next three days. <laughs> <laughs> Unless they want to stay in France and be tax exiles. There you go. Uh, but... We also know, by the way, that the Bell Riots occurred September 2024 in the Star Trek timeline. So uh, they are, we're several months prior to the Bell Riots. So no chance of us getting to meet Bashir, Dax. No, that was and, disappointing. And I was hoping we would like at least see him on a screen, you know, like yeah. Bell Riots breaking out and then we'd see Bashir walk by. Or something. Yeah, it, it, it would have been a... They, they they could have loaded up the VHS at some point uh, for the the previous episode, but uh, they, yeah. they, we still might get Gabriel Bell. 
Um, yeah, I, I could I could see. Uh, well, or hmm, was Gabriel Bell a, a much of a? I, I guess he he could he be like a minor figure, but it, my my recollection is that he's more of like a martyr, but wasn't someone that was known before um, those riots. Is that correct? No, he was just some guy. Which yeah, I mean, that, that's the thing. Like you could have you could have him literally just appear as anything in this show and mm-hmm. be fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. By the way, speaking of deep cuts, here's a little clip from our last episode. So I feel like that guy's last name is Thatcher. Kirk Thatcher is his <laughs> name. Ah, see Thatcher, it's there. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. He's the watcher all along. Um, Isn't that sad? I'm such a nerd that I had that name in the back of my brain without looking anything up. <laughs> he's he's the I believe he's a producer named mm-hmm. Kirk Thatcher. Yeah. And he was in this movie, or in the voyage home, he's sitting on the bus, and Kirk and Spock are there, and he's playing a song named I Hate You. <laughs> he does that. And, and he gives the uh, middle finger when, when Kirk asks him to turn it down, and then Spock yeah. gives him the nerve pinch. In this episode, he's playing a song, I Still Hate You. <laughs> and, but he but respects the women, you know. <laughs> exactly. He's much what? more compliant. Wait, I'm, I'm sorry, you guys. Was it, was it literally the same actor? Yeah. Yes, it was. Yeah. No way. Yeah, yeah, it was. <laughs> yeah, and, awesome. and he, he surprisingly doesn't look that different he really from doesn't. how he no. did. Yep, they they made him up to be look very similar. Yeah, yeah I, I guess so... he's he's got he's got a beard now, uh, but yeah, it, it's. Uh, that yeah, is so it, awesome. <laughs> he didn't want to get nerve pinched this time. That's why he complied. <laughs> yeah, I, I like that. That was such a traumatic experience, <laughs> like fifty years ago or whatever. Four like, years ago. I like that he's still carrying around a boombox and he's he's le- he's leaning into that cassette uh, revival that's yes. that's going on these days. Uh, which, by the way, did you all know that audio cassettes are coming back? Like people are listening to stuff on audio cassettes again. It's really strange. It's like, I do it because I discover my old audio cassettes and I'm like, oh, okay. I wonder what's on this. <laughs> so then I have to go to the church to find something that plays cassettes because I don't have anything yeah. in my house that does. But <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think that this uh, this device behind me over here can play our, our cassettes still. So occasionally <laughs> we, we bring them out and uh, uh, listen to like recordings that Jenny made when she was like 12 or something yeah, like that. Yeah. <laughs> I believe there's only one company that still manufactures audio cassettes, by the way. Uh, I didn't realize that they were actively still, because the last VHS was what, uh, in 2016 or something like that? Was it? Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, they, they are. There is, I believe, as of a few years ago when I read about the cassette revival, there was still a company that makes them. But it's they make very few and it's pretty rare. So anyway, um, <laughs> That happened in the whole L.A. sequence, which involved Rafi and Seven. And we wanted, last last week when we were talking, we were talking about how they just got down to business and kind of went about it. And that continued in this episode. We, we really saw the two of them just going places. 
And I, I guess we, we, I remember us also being a little bit weirded out that uh, suddenly um, Rafi just kind of seems to, to have like different motivations uh, once once she got transported into uh, L.A. and wasn't as like uh, messed up about Elnor. Uh, I think we've we've sort of like corrected that a little bit uh, uh, this episode, but it. I, I think it's I'm liking the the uh, Raffi and Seven uh, dynamic in terms mm-hmm. of like how uh, it's it's not quite the situation of like um, or maybe it is a little bit similar like uh, only one of you can be freaking out at any given time <laughs> so it's it's sort of uh, the way that that uh, Seven like calms down Raffi and makes her act like slightly more uh like focused on the mission is by just like stealing the car and going uh driving as like fast as possible which focuses Raffi to like trying to solve the mission instead of um kind of breaking down about Elnor but uh I I don't know I'm liking their uh that duo I enjoyed their kind of it was literally a body cop when they were stealing the cop car. Yeah. But yeah. It was it was an interesting dynamic. Bill, what do you think about the scenes with Seven and, and Rafi in LA? Yeah, it was a car chase. It was cool. Um, I'm just so glad they brought back Seven of Nine for this series because it, and it's not obvious, right? Because she was not in The Next Generation. Mm-hmm. Um, but wow, I, I think she's just such a uh, great addition to the cast. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Jerry Ryan does a great job. Um, and it's just also super cool to see crossovers from the different series get to act, ha- see those characters interact with one another. I really enjoy that. Yeah, and and it, and it it's like this one. I mean, they haven't done it a whole lot, but like it, Seven of Nine really makes sense to put in with Picard because of like they they both have such different like they have. Uh, uh, they're b- both connected to the boar, but they have like different perspectives on them, and also like had a very different sort of assimilation story. Um, mm-hmm. That uh, and, and <laughs> I, for maybe we're going to slowly assimilate the entire cast uh, <laughs> over the course of this se- series, but uh, uh, now uh, Girardi can join in on that a little bit too. <laughs> so switching gears just a little bit here, we just as the episode did, we then get to Picard. Um, being somebody who, so so they get first of all they get their transporters back conveniently. They can transport one more person now, and they get to send uh, Jean Luc back to the location of the Watcher, the coordinates, which turns out to be ten forward. Uh, which, by the way, this had people pissed off on our Star Trek on Reddit. People were like, "What, Guinan's bar?" is 10 forward because it's deck 10 forward section. How dare you make it that she named her bar after the street her other bar was on. It breaks everything. (laughs) TNG is literally unwatchable now. (laughs) People are ridiculous. It's hard being a Star Trek fan, man. Yeah, because we have people like that in our ranks. (laughs) you You have to find something to be like irrationally angry about because... Otherwise, like you, you can't really count yourself as a Star Trek fan. No. So it, it's a, it's a lot of work to have to comb through every episode to find that thing that ruins it all for you. <laughs> my my favorite. So so there's a bunch of like paragraphs, long responses, several paragraphs of like explaining this. And there's one guy who just like wrote two lines of dialogue and quotation. He's like, "Hey, Guyden, where do you want your bar? We could have you on deck 
11, 12, 13, 14. She's like, no, it, deck 10, the forward section. It'd make a great place to have a bar. And then the third line is, uh, all right, great. We now have a place to put our like dilithium reserves on deck 11 or whatever. And it's like, done, explained. Gaiden chose it because it was perfect. <laughs> anyway, um, how did y'all like the, the sequence at 10 forward? I to be so I'm still uh, kind of processing how I feel about young Guinan. <clears throat> I think it's Whoopi Goldberg is just someone who's really hard to recast. I think she's pretty singular yeah. in her demeanor and her her voice. Um, so I mean, I thought it's 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 a tough job. I don't know the actress's name, but you know, Ito it's kind of Agayere. hard to step into those shoes. Yeah, yeah. So 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 the actress is Ito Agayere. She is a uh, Nigerian Canadian American. She has been in several shows of varying varieties. She was her, her most recent frequent appearances were on Carol's Second Act, but she's also been in Orange Is the New Black, Blacklist, <laughs> Elementary, Logan Lucky. So she's been around. And another quick fact: she's a Trekkie. Nice, nice, nice. So yeah, I mean, I, I think I think she did a fine job. I'm just not sure. I don't know. And also, to, I think you have this in the notes, Notch, but to, to um, you know, speaking of like Star Trek fan rage, isn't Guinan, when they have like that Wild West episode with Data's head, isn't yeah. Guinan still Whoopi Goldberg? She kind of looks the same. So that's a little confusing or a little Literally unwatchable. Unwatchable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who, I, I'm I, done. I, I, Let's end the yeah. podcast. I mean, yeah. Well, and that was the whole, like, I, so I was thinking, you know, why she should totally remember Picard. But then right. I'm also realizing it is like 140 years later. So that is a long time to remember one person, you know, who you spent a few days with, you know, after well, 140 I, years. But well, she I, also I makes the barely, comment in the... I can barely it, remember when I go into a room why I went there. So 140 <laughs> years, you know. I know. Well, and, but, and she does, doesn't she make a comment about like a bald man saved my life once? And so I, I just feel like, like she made it sound like it was a really like oh. present day Guinan in TNG knew that she had met Picard and remembered that 400 so years ago. I, I guess the, the thing that I, I thought that maybe we were making some sort of like time travel uh, explanation for it, where that she did not meet Picard because he did not come back in time for time zero because the oh. enterprise D like doesn't exist um because it's the i forget what, the, what they named it it's like the the uh confederate ship like just kill kill them all uh, <laughs> uh it, it has an extremely dumb name i don't remember exactly hey, what we're it was. dm and star trek rpg i'm gonna be very sad if we don't meet the the css kill them all now from the fury of the <laughs> we do, um, but yeah the, the, this is opening up a whole a whole new opportunity for, <laughs> sources for us um, yes, so this is actually the canon explanation if we accept interviews with the actors and the producers as canon, um, that Picard has not gone back. And it wasn't touched, it's just kind of funny considering they've explained so much other stuff in this episode, they haven't explained that one. Uh, you know, we get like why Picard has an English accent, but we don't hear why Gaiden doesn't recognize him. But yeah, it, it's, it's, it's one of those things that like, I, um, I would, like, while I was watching the episode, I didn't realize that that would be the explanation. So I was thinking more towards Emily's, like, oh, well, it's been, I guess it's been a long time. Uh, but, uh, 
it's just or or maybe they they like didn't want to make people feel like they needed to watch like a random TNG episode. But it, it like for for me, I was just kind of confused a lot of the time that I so I could have used that little that like half a sentence of like, wait, but I thought I met you. And she's like, I have no recollection of that. And then we, it, even that would have been a bit clearer because I, I had for a while I was like, wait, is Guinan a title? And is this not actually the same person or something it, like? Yeah. Yeah. This is yeah, Cleveland he, Booker. Yeah. Well, and there was yeah. also like, so when he finally does say, I'm Jean Luc Picard, and, you know, and then she seems to have some recognition. So I thought that was going to be the moment when she was like, oh, oh my gosh. Yeah, I do know who you are. But no, that wasn't what it was. It was just that, oh, now I know that I need to go tell you to go find the watcher or whatever. You know, yeah, like, and it was like a time sickness it, thing or whatever. Right. And I don't know what it was about him saying his name that triggered that in her. Like, so I'm still a little confused about that, but yeah, that felt fuzzy for me too. So here's, here's my kind of take on this whole Guinan situation. There are some continuity discussions that we could have. And I think, um, I think that the actress does a good job of what we were talking about with Annie Wershing in the last episode, the Borg Queen. She's being Guinan. She's not being, she's not playing Whoopi Goldberg's Guinan. As Bill was saying, Whoopi Goldberg <clears throat> does a very interesting thing. So like we can't, it's going to feel really stupid if she tries to be Whoopi Goldberg. So we're just getting a different take on the character. And, you know, in an ideal world, we could, actors wouldn't age and we'd get the same performance again, right? Or, but... I'm willing to to go along with this if they use her character well. I think so far I've been happy, um, which I'll maybe lead us into the next thing I wanted to talk about. Last week we had some, you know, Emily, you said your friend hated the whole ice situation, which I don't know how she reacted to this week's episode. Uh, I know we'll I have to, to talk to her. <laughs> we'll get to that after the break. Uh, but in this episode, we have Guinan pretty much talking like, uh, you know, you'd see Guinan posting on Twitter, right? About BLM, about other things. Yeah, yeah. Like, a lot of the, the, the sentiments, she doesn't get explicit about what's going on. But it's it's very much along the same lines of it's putting a mirror up to society. i perfectly <laughs> honest, just like the ice stuff in the last episode, for me, initially, it was like, oh, man, I, I come to Star Trek to get away from stuff. But then I realized, no, this is exactly what Star Trek should be doing. And yeah. the thing that impressed me the most was what how Picard responds to it. And he says, you know, especially when he says change always comes later than we think it should come. All right, I, I, let me let me find the exact quote because I think that that's important. Change, um, man, I had it just now and then I lost it. Change always comes later than we think it should. Mm -hmm. And that was important to me that we didn't just leave it on like a place of everything is horrible and we're unhappy because hey that's it's important to acknowledge people are like that but it's also important to acknowledge that that's how things change because we we believe things can be better we work together to make things better and i was i thought that was i was a beautiful star trek moment so i really loved it i guess yeah i i liked it too and it was you know it was interesting um i was talking with someone about the scene and they said they felt like the stuff that guinan was saying was too on the nose but then I made a comment like, well, then do you think that the stuff that Rios is saying is too on the nose? Because Rios was kind of doing similar and it he didn't feel that it came across that way. So I don't know. I don't and I don't know. Um, I don't know what it was about the difference between the two scenes that made it maybe because Rios actually was in a 
you know, a pretty terrible situation at that moment, like watching, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know. I think there's a lot of places I could go with that, but I'm going to take it to maybe the least kind of controversial version of that, which is I think that Rios was kind of saying it in a more like, like he was in control, whereas mm-hmm. Guinan wasn't putting up with it anymore. Right. Like she, well, she was it, fed up. Well, and it makes sense as an alien being who's essentially listening slash observing what's happening on our planet to just feel utter despair watching things go the direction they've been going and just be like, ah, you know what? I'm out. Like I don't. And, and it would make sense that they would be having that kind of a commentary. Like, I just can't believe you all are killing yourselves this way and killing others this way and uh, completely denying the humanity of some this way. Mm-hmm. You know, I, yeah, I think, I think it did kind of sound a little bit like a laundry list of things that, are being discussed on actively on social media a lot and so it was you know you you would have you would have felt like you know if she was talking about the supreme court in there or like mitch mcconnell it wouldn't have been (laughs) our place and so maybe i think i think that's also the other thing that is i think that the the writing in the real scene was a little bit more obtuse um Mm -hmm. even if the visuals maybe weren't and so i but again, I think the presence of what that leads to with Picard was the thing that kind of closed that loop for me. Bill, what do you think about this? Yeah, the, the only thing I would add is that, you know, Star Trek um, does that a lot, has that kind of discourse a lot, usually through allegory, mm-hmm. right? Sometimes quite clumsily, right? So like the half-white, half-black people in yeah, the yeah, TOS yeah. or, you know, whatever. But it's not, you know, to, to touch on that kind of subject matter is not unusual for Star Trek at all, but it is unusual to have it not be through allegory or just kind of be about the real world that we live in today. Um, so it does feel a little, a little bit out of place, but I thought, I mean, I, I thought it was good, you know, um, to, to bring up those issues and kind of show Guinan's consternation with, with kind of things that are going on in humanity. <clears throat> yeah. And it, you're, I, I think you're, you're right. Cause there's also like, even when Star Trek has like come back to like our, our timeline, it's usually so that they can, they can uh, be frustrated with it from the perspective of the 24th century of like, why do you have money? Money is bullshit. Uh, but this one is more like uh, they're, they're frustrated about things that like, we ourselves are aware of uh, sort of the disparities that are happening here. Uh, and and I, I appreciate that we're talking about those specific things and not um, not as much giving lectures on like how we're going to eliminate disease, et cetera, uh, in uh, 50 short years or whatever. Yeah. First, you need to reduce L.A. to slag uh, in 15 years. I mean, they, well, they literally made a movie about like, Saving the whales, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and I mean, and let's let's be clear here. We didn't really get into those issues either. Guinan just touched on him, so it wasn't mm-hmm. even that much. Like, like if, yeah. I have to say, like, if you go, I, yeah, to, like, I guess I'm I'm thinking more in terms of uh, uh, the the Rio stuff. Uh, right, feels right, like right. it's it's very much directly hitting into it. And we'll we'll talk about that in a second. But like, I just want to point out, like, the frustrations that people might have with Guinan in this. Really, bros, you you didn't you didn't even get much of a taste for that discussion. It was just like basically the hit bullet point version, yeah, followed by kind of the bullet point version of things are gonna get better. Which, by the way, I just want to point out, Picard being like, "It's gonna get better," and mm-hmm. Gaiden eighty years from now is like, "World War Three? What were you talking about, old man?" <laughs> yeah, 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 it's not gonna get better from the perspective of anyone in LA. <laughs> so I think here's I think here's the thing that the person I was watching with was or the 
I think what they were noting is thinking about if you have someone watching Star Trek who may not be as ideologically aligned as we all are, Mm -hmm. if that, if the way, the things that she was talking about would feel like, oh, here we go. Star Trek's just trying to, you know, insert Mm -hmm. whatever as though Star Trek hasn't done that for the entirety of its existence. But, you know, people are able to handle that a little better when they're watching a show that was made 50 years ago than they are watching a show that's made today. Um, So I think that's part of it, too. I think it's just, you know, they're thinking about people that they know who like Star Trek, but when they see that scene, will be like, oh, God, now look what Star Trek's doing. And I heard someone, I was listening to another podcast, they were talking about wondering whether um, Stacey Abrams being in... Um, the Discovery episode. Sorry, spoilers for uh, the series season finale of <laughs> Star Trek Discovery. But um, <laughs> if that if that could have a similar effect, and we obviously we've seen that because we've seen people complaining about Stacey Abrams being on that episode from conservatives. Mm-hmm. You know, didn't like Ted Cruz lose his mind or something? Because you know that's why I think all Star Trek shows should be written to appease Ted Cruz. But um, <laughs> but anyway, so I think that's part of it too. Just rec- you know, just kind of not necessarily personally having a problem with it, but just thinking like, I wonder if that you know turns people off. To which I say, who cares? <laughs> this is Star Trek. <laughs> this is what Star Trek has always done, and they're just watching it in real time now instead of watching it, you know, forty years later or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Well, on that note, let's go to break and we'll come back and talk about The Watcher. You're looking for a supervisor, otherwise known as a watcher. They're peppered through the galaxy, assigned to protect the destiny of certain individuals. Assigned by whom? And what do you mean by destiny? You know, it's all kinds of vague. They're not big explainers. They see themselves as kind of guardian angels. No humility problem there. Anyway, I can get you a face-to-face, sort of. Uh, What do you mean, sort of? Let's just say I suspect she's very much going to want to meet you. Thank you. Oh, don't thank me yet. Trust me. Welcome back to Strange New Takes, where we're about to discuss something that I believe my co-hosts will be surprised by me bringing up. I'm hoping, at least, that they were not surprised. They anticipated me bringing up a reference from last week's podcast episode, but I think this one might be something that has passed them by in the night uh so we'll see we'll see though so we get introduced to the watcher and did y'all hear how Guinan describes the watcher uh, not exact i mean she just says that she's like really ornery and kind of difficult to get along with but i don't remember exactly what she says well and that there's several of them right like it's a it's not a singular person or anyway hmm you can't see this, dear listener. My eyebrows are tweaking up and down. I'm, I'm taunting my co-host to remember the exact language before I tell them what I'm talking about. Uh, she says, after she, after she, he says, my name is Jean-Luc Picard. 400 years from now, you will be my oldest and dearest friend. And instead of her being like, aw, that's nice. Let's spend a moment like enjoying what you just did there, Patrick Stewart. She's like, Picard, huh? Yes. Shit. Get in. And then here's what she says. You're looking for a supervisor, otherwise known as a watcher. They're preppered throughout the galaxy, assigned to protect the destiny of certain individual. Now, who does that remind you of? Q? 
I'm again oh. tweaking my eyebrows, dear listeners. I, 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 I'm pretty sure I, I, I read someone else's conclusion on this, so I, I don't know if I, I might have to recuse myself from guessing. <laughs> You're looking for a supervisor assigned to protect. Perhaps that you might say that they, they have an assignment, uh, colon, L.A. Or on Earth. There may be... Uh... Oh. Is that like... Uh... Gary Seven, fuck yeah, yeah. I've heard other people talk about Gary Seven being uh, like having some sort of tie into Gary Seven, which that so, never actually happened, right? They just tried tried to do the backdoor pilot in T or in TOS. But, yeah, yeah. This is this is finally Gary Seven is getting his own show. <laughs> <laughs> that that'll be the Section Thirty One show. Is Gary Seven? <laughs> so now the problem here, of course, well. Problem, except they recast Guinan. But the problem here is, of course, that Gary Seven was played by Robert Lansing, who passed away in 1994. So we're not going to probably get the original Gary Lansing <laughs> unless they decided to spend an obscene amount of money on deep fakes or something. <laughs> I but, thought you were saying reanimation. I was like, oh god. <laughs> no, no, that that budget got spent on Margaret Thatcher, so we can't do Robert Lansing. <laughs> um, but nice. Now, now remember that Gary Seven has a black cat who, at the very end, for no apparent reason, becomes a woman for like a second or two. Uh, right? Laris. That was so strange. Yeah. Yeah. Who wears? And and the cat is, I think, wearing like an all black outfit. And what was Laris's or Orla Brady's character as the Watcher wearing in Picard? An all black outfit. Precisely. Did she have so, like a cat pin on too, like to have it really on the nose? I, I haven't, honestly, to, to tell you the truth, I haven't had the time to go back and look at a screenshot. <laughs> I'm trying to get one up right now. But, you know, it's very easy to say, yeah, the Watcher died. And so I replaced him. And, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's just, uh, it's now my assignment to Is take she... over. I, I'm, I'm still confused though, because, uh, I, she is, I mean, she, she looks like she could be younger than she is in, uh, in the year 2400, but I feel like this has to be a Laris that came from the future, unless she's not actually a Romulan. Because she's it, not. like, okay, she's if she's, not. yeah, if she's yeah, never, she if she's not and has never been a Romulan, <laughs> uh, then... I, I guess that's a thing. I, I'm just I'm I'm a little bit confused. I mean, I know that she I know that she, that this is a human. I assume it's a. My assumption was that it was a human, that that she's had surgery to look human. And are you meaning she looks younger than Laris does? Like when we see Laris? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I th so my I I'm sticking to my my guns when I say that this is uh this is this is actually the. Uh, this is actually what's her face, um, the cat, the cat, who doesn't have a name. I don't think I don't remember if Gary <laughs> Seven, but I, I think she's wearing less baggy clothing than Laris is. She's wearing like less grandma attire, uh, so she looks younger because she's wearing a tight fitting black outfit in this show, or or in the last episode. But I think I think we're gonna get the Gary Seven. Uh, I, I, I but I, I I don't know. I mean, I, I guess we'll find out, right? But I don't really like it because I want an explanation that explains why she looks exactly like Lyris. 
Okay. Yeah, like the, I, I mean, I, I guess like yeah. Because like, Romulans don't yeah. live long enough. I mean, Romulans might live to be four hundred, but Romulans look like they're Aging. old ass humans yeah. when they are four hundred. So let's put it this way: um, she seems to have some sort of ability to read minds, right? Like there seems to be some like mental oh. thing. So this might have been her manifesting herself as someone who, and she can shape shift. Remember, so the Gary cat's name is Isis. <laughs> So she can oh. shapeshift into a form that maybe Picard is point. comfortable with. That's a good point. I think that's okay. very that that's pretty compelling. Yeah. Okay. And and the effect I thought where there's a little like box of smoke, it's a very sixties effect, if you think yeah. about it, in mm-hmm. terms of the um Yeah, I, th- I thought it was really cool looking. Uh yeah. Okay, I, I I think I I can get this quick. I can get so behind this because we. So do I have to go rewatch we... Assignment Earth now? <laughs> okay, go ahead. Oh God, <laughs> <laughs> we all did it together. Just listen to the podcast episode we did on it. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, uh, I I think I told you all to to watch that, and then I didn't watch it because I wasn't there that week. Uh, but um. Still haven't forgiven you for that, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> I but I so I think I'm okay with. If that's the explanation, because then that makes, like, if part of Picard's lesson over the course of this season is that he really does care for Laris and that he should go for it or something, like, yeah, maybe that's that's an interesting way to, to or that's like a satisfying connection point. But um, otherwise, I'm I'm kind of confused and I don't understand why they're doing this. Yeah, I, I I think much like the mom stuff, I think we just got to wait and see what happens. I'm very yeah. intrigued about this Gary Seven thing because that was kind of an outstanding like thread from Star Trek lore that was just hanging out there as kind of a weird uh, mm-hmm. little non-sequitur almost. So now it's going to... They, if they find a way to seamlessly weave it in, kudos to these writers. Like, I will bow to the... To the um, yeah. Well, and the brilliance of Terry Metalis. Well, and and they haven't. They've already referenced that episode indirectly by saying uh, Picard or that uh, Kirk shit ship did it a couple of times. Mm-hmm. Uh, the slingshot around the sun, or maybe he said several times because it uh, it was. I think it's the only references to it. I think they may do it several times in the they do? original okay. series. They do it a couple and then t- they oh, okay. Because I was they, thinking they, it was they, in Tomorrow is Yesterday. Or is that what it's called? they do it called? in Voyage Home, though? They do, yeah. No, well, they, yeah. they do, but... But I um, never knew that they did it in the original series until I watched the original series, mm. you know, a few years back. And then I was like, oh, they totally took that from the show. Yeah. But I couldn't remember it being more than once. Anyway. Yeah, I, I guess if it is more than once, it's probably that one of them specifically mentions the slingshot maneuver. And I think one of the episodes is just like we're in the past doing a research history assignment or something. Yeah. I, I don't, don't quote me on that, but I feel like they do it at least twice in the original series and maybe in the later times they just kind of do it. They're like, Oh, using the slingshot maneuver, we've gone back to, yeah. you know, gangster Chicago or world war two or whatever. That was a gangster planet. Uh, not oh, it was a gangster, gangster planet. Chicago. Right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it was just tomorrow is yesterday. It's much more logical gangster planet. Okay. <laughs> yeah. One other quick reference is that when oh. the Picard and um, no, Guinan good. are making uh, donations, number one, first of all, Picard has a, bottle of Saurian brandy at Den Forward, which is how he knows Guinan is there. Yes. He finds alien booze. But then 
when they drop off um, donations, it's at the 20, 21st Street Mission, which or the, it, it's it's the 21st Street Mission Donation Center, which is a reference to the city on the edge of forever. I was where wondering. Kirk and Spock are at the 21st Street Mission. So is that in LA? Uh huh. Well, th this was version it? of it is, but who knows? I, I don't remember if City on the Edge of Forever happens in LA or the or San Francisco. I think uh, it's in San Francisco, but the yeah, no, I, think, I think it's out east. I think it's supposed to be I was in thinking New it York was or something. Too, yeah, or, New yeah. York. Well, maybe maybe the uh, the uh, organization just grew. You know, with yeah. the, the outpouring of support mm. from their one of like their employees. There's a Salvation getting hit by Army a truck. all over the place, or yeah. <sighs> By the way, you are right. It is the slingshot maneuver is in tomorrow's yesterday and assignment earth. Yeah. Just thought I'd throw it out there. I looked it up. 21st nice. street mission is also in New York. Uh, you are correct. It was shot in LA though at the Paramount back lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was like, it really, it's, it's, it is in LA. Everything's yeah. in LA. Yeah. Well, that, right. yeah, that's why I thought so because I remember watching the episode and just thinking, oh, this is so obviously like, a mock-up of New York yeah. in 1960s Los Angeles, right? <laughs> All right. So let's 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 move on from uh, from our friend guy. And unless you have any last notes about the Watcher or anything else, um, but yeah, the people shaking their heads. So let's 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 move on to talking about our friend Rios, who shows up in the New York Times photograph from 2018, <laughs> basically with the. Uh, the With cages, the, the, yeah, crinkly, and the, and the crinkly, crinkly silver blankets. Yep. Yep. Um, <laughs> this is, we essentially get, and in a funny way, it seems a little dated, but I think that might be wishful thinking. Uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> Do you know, we were talking the other day about whether or not the immigration stuff that we were all horrified about in 2018 is still happening, but we're just not hearing about it anymore there... because of other things, you know? Anyway. There is, so I, I can actually shed a little bit of light in this. Immigration obviously being something near and dear to my heart for mm -hmm. <laughs> very personal reasons. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's, there is still a, I'll just jump on my soapbox for one minute here. There is still a cap on the number of immigrants that hasn't been lifted since, since our previous president's administration. And it's quite disappointing. One of the reasons we have historically low unemployment in this country right now. It's the lowest level it's been since 1969. It's practically negligible. So, and one of the best things that you can do when that happens is to bring in immigrants because they are able to fulfill, even, even if they take low skill jobs, it's a good thing because then it mm -hmm. just raises everybody up. It makes all your businesses happier. Um, it does a lot of good things. So the fact that we've turned the immigration spigot down progressively since the Clinton era is a really bad thing for this country in a variety of ways in the economic sense. So I, I, I want to make that point first. So it is the Biden administration is obviously finding it politically inconvenient right now to, to talk about immigration, raise it up, because there's a lot of people that really get very angry when when that number is turned up. And the last time it happened was Reagan. Ronald Reagan, there's a lot of immigrants, especially out West, who thank, who are deeply indebted to Ronald Reagan because their parents got, a, got um, made citizens during his time. So <laughs> this is all to say that right now the numbers aren't changing. However, the conditions within facilities 
by and large have shifted. So mm-hmm. the administration has replaced the leadership in a lot of like the uh, Department of Homeland Security positions. And they've and you will actually find that there are people who are Trump administration border patrol officials who say that today their hands are tied and they're complaining and they're very upset about how they have to play by different rules now. So, and, and for example, some of the same facilities are still open. So there is some controversy about the same facilities that were mm-hmm. photographed being open. But if you think about it from a logistical standpoint of, do you want to move 400, you know, or how many of our people are housed? Do you mm-hmm. want to put them into buses and like do all of that stuff versus making those existing facilities better and the conditions within them better. So for example, now the kids are provided schooling, they're given books. It's so... There's a very nuanced view on this. Mm-hmm. I think there's still mm-hmm. reasons to be upset if you if you want to look for uh, things to kind of advocate for. I think there mm-hmm. are things that we can continue to improve, like improving the numbers and and how we get around asylum. But I do think, by and large, the situation is better in some fundamental ways. Mm-hmm. And that's my take on the situation as something that I have looked into a little bit, um, just because I, I care. But. Totally an aside, I just have to throw this out. I just learned about Angel Island off of, is it off of San Francisco where, so it'd be like the West Coast version of Ellis Island, but like with barracks because they didn't want to let in as many brown-skinned people into this country as Europeans. Just really, anyway, it was just really sad. There was a person, t- they took their father there. Um, and I don't know if it was his father that stayed there or or mm-hmm. him. I think it was his father, maybe. But just kind of seeing the conditions that their grandfather would have been in when he came over from India. And anyway. Yeah. There is, I mean, you, you think about how certain groups were treated in mm-hmm. the past. You, I, there was, I was in Hawaii at the turn of the new year, and there was a... A leper's colony on one end of the island and i mean sure mm. that's an infectious disease we didn't have a cure for until penicillin but like mm. that was just normal right like you you put lepers into their own um area and just mm-hmm. kind of let them be and didn't do anything about it and so there's, there's a lot of things that we can uh point to i guess in, in terms of just ways in which maybe we've come Far, but maybe we have quite a ways ways yes. to go as yet. Uh, as as Mr. Picard. Yep. Said I was gonna say there we episode, go. <laughs> <laughs> change always comes later than you think it should. Good job. Good job. So I brought it back to 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 the the watcher Margaret Thatcher. Um, but anyway, uh, so yeah, so we so we that's why I said Rios finds himself in a New York Times photograph from 2018. Um, and what do y'all think about all of our sequences with our friends from ICE? I mean, I I I think it was um, it I I think it was a it was a good use of uh, kind of the the character out of time uh, situation because it like usually when when we've sent uh, characters uh, that have gone into more like. Uh, sort of the social upheaval situations like in deep like in deep space nine it's often we sort of fight against the the powers that be in some sort of uh minor way and like we we still do that here he gets tased immediately but i thought it was interesting that we had the opportunity to um he just like said exactly where he's from in the future and like what he's doing and whatnot and it's just uh i i i like that he's able to fully say that and the conclusion is like oh he's just crazy um and as that kind of response 
Bill, are you leaning in because you have something to say, or are you shaking your head? But what? What? I, not, not really. I just liked it when they called him Crystal Ball. <clears throat> oh yeah, <laughs> Crystal Ball. <laughs> and it's, I missed that. it's kind of on brand, right? I mean, it's like you know, they're from the future. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is is Crystal Ball a a a, a common name? Do y'all know? In it's yeah, it's Christopher. Like yeah, it's Christopher Columbus's name, like Crystal Ball Cologne. Uh, I did not know that. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. I did not know uh-huh. that it was a common name. I feel like this is the first time I've heard uh, that name. Uh, just kind of shows you just how much you think you know about the world. There's still a lot more to learn, hmm. uh, which is actually really cool because if you know everything, that's very boring. So, that's true. <laughs> uh, I appreciated that both him and uh, the doctor were kind of able to continue their kind of chemistry. I'm really enjoying that relationship, and I'm hoping You're she goes along for the ride. I am. I am. Are I, we going to take her to the future too and see see around the galaxy? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we'd, we'd, we'd have to take her son as well, then yank him away from all his kids. And, you I know, mean, Kurt didn't give a shit kid. about that stuff, so... <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, yeah, so I, I don't know if we're, if we're going to take her into the future. So their romance is doomed, but, uh, you know. I did enjoy um, Rios's. Uh, recitation to the dude about oh yeah I'm Cristobal Rios and I'm captain of the <laughs> La Serena and I come here from 400 years in the future you know just kind of going through the whole thing and the guy's just like oh. yeah. I, I, I was just expecting him to like tase him again and so I know. <laughs> yeah. uh, at least they didn't make him like cartoon villains bad uh, mm. like but it's I think um it is. I mean, yeah, the ice guys are, they're, they're a little bit one dimensional, but I don't know if that's, that's not a reflection on kind of. So I, I, I found it hard to be like that. I, I couldn't find that believe that it's not believable, you know? Yeah. It's uh, like, I, I fully understand why they're writing them that way. And I, I don't know that I'm like mad about it. Uh, I mean, like people like their power, and when they have a way to be able to use their power over others, they're gonna do it. Yeah, we we can get students to do this shit to people. Like, I I don't know that you're put into the best mindset. The Stanford, you're you're referring to the Stanford experiment, Adam. Okay. Yeah. So, so like, if if we can do that to people who like aren't who haven't been steeped in that for like years and years and years, like I. I, I don't know. I, I think I would be skeptical for that someone ha- like maintains a fully uh, like has a super woke mindset or something while they're a guard in one of these detention centers. Like they probably get a little bit high on what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Bill, you opened your mouth to say something. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I agree with you, Nash. They're, they're totally one dimensional, you know, <laughs> but it's just if, if there were like the villains for the whole season, then it would be a problem. But it's just like 20 minutes in one episode. It's yeah, you know, yeah, I think it's, it's fine. Yeah. I think our uh, did anyone recognize the actor who was playing um, playing the main ice guy? By the way, I, he, he I, looks he, familiar, but I don't know if it's just because I because he looked like someone that I recognize or. Yeah, I feel like he kind of looks like Jason Bateman, but it isn't. So like, <laughs> I know it's not Jason Bateman. Uh, it'll be uh, a very strange casting. Yeah, right. Decision. So this is actually Leif Gantvurt. Uh, is, is not a name, name I know. He's been in NCIS, The Amazing Spider-Man, and Paul Blart Mall Cop 2. Who, who couldn't forget 
the great cast from Paul Dwight Mall Cop 2. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, clearly, we all found, we all were reminded of his performance in that masterpiece. Um, Did he play an ice officer there? And that's why they guessed him. <laughs> I remember that movie having a lot of uh, social commentary. <laughs> Oh, terrific, terrific. Well, um, one more place that we need to stop. Also, just give a quick call out while I'm calling our actors' names. And Madeline Weiss is the actress who plays Yvette Picard. That is uh, our friend Jean-Luc's mother. She has been in Curb Your Enthusiasm, Lapsus, Crashing, Single Drunk Female, uh, among other Hmm. performances. And then finally, we... we Okay, I'm I'm just going to basically breeze past the Seven and Raffi get... Uh, transported in the mm-hmm. car chase scene we've already talked about it a little bit I don't think we need to go into too much detail I do want to talk about Girardi and the Borg Queen before we get to the final scene of this episode Girardi and the Borg Queen again last week I called out that it confounded my expectations what they're doing with the Borg Queen this week again I find myself saying similar things I was a little worried that she was going to like plug back in yeah uh, Girardi was going to plug back in did she? she did because it's, she says at the end of that scene "I you've been locked out again no, but uh, what what we're meaning is that uh, that Gerardi was going to get start the assimilation process on herself again. Like I we see. were just kind of worried. Like when Picard left her, I was like, "Oh, I don't know that that's a good idea." Like I'm, I'm yeah. really concerned about what the how the Borg Queen is going to manipulate I, yeah. her. And I, I think Gerardi's going to end up fully assimilated at some point this season. Like I, I, I'm I'm worried about that. Yeah, she. I mean, at some point she's going to plug back in. I mean, they left her there to to be put in jeopardy by the Borg Queen, I'm sure at some point they'll explore that. left her by herself, which is the thing she's always worried about and always fearing. Yeah. So. yeah. This, yeah. this is actually the thing that I think is not going to happen. So mm-hmm. I'm going to give you all my take. Uh, mm-hmm. I, so she, so she's, Agnes says, I limited your access again when she walks away. So she did plug the Borg Queen back in. She's not, I don't know if she's going to have to like plug herself in completely. And if she does, I think she can actually beat the Borg Queen. I think that's what we're coming up to is that this is kind of one of those like character transformation moments mm. where we see Agnes Girardi becoming the character that we, you know, growing and actually becoming like the thing, you know, the, the yeah. thing we I would love, love seeing that if that happened. Yeah, that would be great. She's, you know, we see the Borg Queen being manipulative and saying like, hey, you're so lo- always lonely, you know, never have any friends and like thinking that she's got the upper hand and Agnes fucking plays her like an accordion. Um, it's, that'd be it's, pretty awesome. I, I really hope that that's where they're going to go and we don't get the reversal where the Borg Queen gets the upper hand on Agnes. I don't mind if the Borg Queen gets like, you know, manages to outsmart the other people, but it would be kind of, it would be, I think, kind of sad if she is able to manipulate Girardi because right now it's been, though, two episodes straight we've seen Girardi manipulating the Borg Queen. Yeah, no, and, and, I, and so... I guess the, the like the arc for for Girardi for last season, like I said, is uh, was that she was manipulated by outside forces. It, it would kind of suck if it's just like every season is uh, Girardi is duped in some way and then someone more powerful than her right. like controls her. Yeah, I mean, it would just be end up being like Star Trek Into Darkness all over again, where, you know, they're on the cusp of doing something super amazing. And then they totally went and effed it up and just did the same old predictable thing. So hopefully they'll do what Nacho's saying. <laughs> Go talk to the writer's room. Oh, wait, they've already finished the whole thing and season three. So, oh, well. Yeah. <laughs> 
Alright, well, um, we'll leave it at that for now, because I think we'll come back to... I'll be surprised if we don't come back to Jardy and the Borg Queen next episode, so we can talk about it in a little bit more detail there. But let's finally get to that weird scene at the end. I did not know what was happening. We just see this lady reading a book and the, see the camera going around her a few times. And then we find out it's Q doing the voiceover, which I didn't realize until we actually saw his face. I don't know how I didn't recognize John Delancey's voice. What, yeah, is, so, what Do you know what he was reading? Uh, she she was reading a book that's uh, I forget that I think the author's name is Thorn maybe but it's it's so, the uh, it's uh, it's the author of the um, damn what what are the, what are the name of the so novels Rene Picard mm -hmm. that's that's the person who he's talking is who the camera is focusing on played by I just had her name oh I just saw Rene Picard in IMDb I'm like who the heck was Rene Picard Renee in that Picard. episode. Played yeah. by Penelope Mitchell. Penelope Mitchell has done a bunch of things, including Hellboy, Hemlock Grove, Vampire Diaries. Uh, she's She's been a prolific actress as well. Anyway, she's also been in a terrible movie with Nicolas Cage, if you want to look that up. But anyway, uh, she Renee Picard is reading the Dixon Hill novel, Dixon The Hill. Pallid Son, by Tracy Torme. In-universe, Torme. Torme is the creator of the Dixon Hill novels and reality is the writer of several TNG episodes, including The Big Goodbye. Who called him Dixon Hill? Someone called him Dixon Hill in this episode too, Guided. and I was like, ah ha ha. Okay, yeah. Was it Guinan or was it actually one of? No, know. it was. Was it Gerardi? Yeah, it was. It, it was, was Gerardi. Gerardi. Yeah, because I was like, ah ha, that's funny. <laughs> I don't know if Travis got it, but I got it. Yeah, so. yeah. What's up, Bill? You looking back at your bookshelf? Yeah, I, I was just thinking the big goodbye. I thought that's that's a real novel, a um, Raymond Chandler. It's not. It's the long goodbye. It's a Raymond oh, Chandler okay. novel with um, Philip Marlowe. Probably the most iconic noir detective series. Gumshoe? <clears throat> yeah. Is he a gumshoe? Okay. Oh, yeah. It's like full-on noir where he's like a, you know, a alcoholic and kind of gets beat up a lot. And, you know. <laughs> it was a dark. It's all the crime so at the guy. end, but he's, you know, he's, you know, totally in the gutter. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, like the camera pans up to like a gumshoe detective's door with glasses. It's dark and stormy night when she walked into my office. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The gum cracking dames. Yeah. And, <laughs> right. And, and I had... <laughs> Brown in my glass or whatever. I don't know. I, yeah, I, I'm yeah. not very good at writing gumshoe. Anyway, um, <laughs> so 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 that so that's that's who we see. And then Q is is reading off a a um, monologue that I will put on screen for you all of you so you can see it because I honestly couldn't pay attention. It was it was like the I am one and she was my one and you know thing from Discovery last time. Mm -hmm. uh, it didn't make a lot of sense to me. So is he reading what she's reading? Like, is he doing a voiceover of what she's reading? Or no, we don't know? Or, I think oh. he's watching her because she's mm -hmm. like sitting behind her in a chair and he's wearing the patch of the Europa mission, which gets mentioned in the previous version episode. Mm -hmm. So the implication to me being that she's something maybe with NASA or an observatory or involved in the Europa mission in some way. And he's talking about... Oh sure, you played the game for a while when nothing was at stake, when the only challenge was fooling everyone, everybody into thinking you had the nerve, but now it's real, the fear is choking you. Well, here's the truth, you can't do it and people are gonna die. And now your fear, your doubt is the loudest voice in your head and that's when he can't do his... Cue magic. Yeah, anymore. Yeah, like I, I, I wonder if this is something like, uh, is, is she like the the head of the program or something and it has been uh I, I don't know if this is like a theranos type um 
situation where where she has gotten in over her head and is has sort of been like faking that this is a real mission and it's definitely going to work. I, but at least that's just like the read that I got out of out of like that monologue just now. Dude, if if Rene Picard speaks like this, it's all like, <laughs> I have taken a lot of money. This Europa mission will work for sure. I promise you. <laughs> if, dude, that'll be too much like modern social commentary if they start like doing yeah stuff about Elizabeth Holmes and Theranos. That I. <laughs> 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 she wasn't I know what you've been totally. watching recently, Adam. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which, by the way, dear listener, if you're not up on your uh, reading about failed startups like uh, Adam is, uh, Bad Blood is the book to read, and there is now a TV series on, I believe, Hulu that it's yeah. based on as well. Great podcast series about it as well out there. So highly recommend everything. It is a astounding story of massive amounts of medical malpractice. And and, uh, it, and the lesson of it shouldn't be, wow, this is a thing that is completely isolated and is only done in this one particular company. <laughs> well, we will do a separate podcast episode on that someday, but let's not talk about it now. <laughs> um, unless it turns out Rene Picard is Elizabeth Holmes. <laughs> Does anyone else just want to run away from this world screaming sometimes? <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, strange new worlds. Okay. Um Let's so so nobody has any clue what's going on with Q, huh? He maybe he lost his powers or something, but I I I guess like I, I kind of don't. Yeah, I, I don't get it. We, we <laughs> saw that happening in Deja Q. Mm -hmm. And isn't that because the other Q like take away his powers? Right. So yeah, I mean something's going on. They they kind of alluded to this right in episode one or two where he it's like he was sick or or dying or something. Well, in the, in the I think in uh, in Discovery they say that the Q disappeared like five hundred years ago. So I, I I think it's possible that Q is dying and maybe all of them are or something. Wow, yeah. that would be interesting if if they are able to, to tease something in Discovery and then explain it in um, mm -hmm. Picard. Yeah. Wow, that I had not thought about that. That would be really interesting. I feel like there I mean, there's clearly communication that happens among the different series because they do have little kind of threads that, you know, anyway. Well, as we saw on Reddit, this episode is named The Watcher because Mugato Gumato had a watcher in it. So <laughs> Well, Anyway, we will find out, I'm sure, immediately in the next episode what the heck is going on. This series embracing the cliffhanger in a way Discovery never does. Uh, which, thank you, Discovery, for not doing that one way in which you are superior to Picard. Uh, <laughs> although, I hate these cliffhangers because I'm so excited to see what's next. Um, yeah. So, so, so there is that. Uh, any final notes before we move on to ratings? Seeing shaking heads again. All right, well... It's time for our strange new ratings on this episode. Crew, which of you would like to rate the Watcher and stick your neck out? Uh, I, I, I'll go first. Uh, I think this one's a seven for me. Like, I, I think this is the first episode this season where I, I thought it was fine. Uh, I've, I've really liked uh, this season as a whole. So, uh, if this is like the low point, I'm, I'm cool with it. Um, but it, it was, yeah, it was a big long car chase scene and. Uh, some good moments from people. I, I, I enjoyed it, but uh, not 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 going onto the shelf is like one of my favorites. Yeah, I uh, 
I'll give it a little bit higher rating. I'll give it an eight. Um, I really liked it. I mean, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, it was over way too fast uh, when I yeah. was watching it. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, in retrospect, you know, the car chase, the ice scene, young Guinan, we're all like fine, but didn't didn't blow me away. But I love the, the kind of mystery about the Watcher. I thought that was, mm. was really cool. Um, so yeah, I'll, I'll give it an eight out of 10. Yeah, I was going to give it a four out of five. Similar reasons. And I'm thinking, you know, I, I like my Star Trek to be Star trek And I guess in some ways it's Star trek but it's hard to be Star trek in 2024. You yeah. know, like it's like you're kind of, I'm, I am missing some of that mm-hmm. um, aspect of it, which is the hard thing when you're doing a whole season long arc. They're going to be in 2024 for quite a while, I'm pretty sure. And so... See, see, this is the this is the tension, Emily. That I'm. I wanted to ask you about. You love Star Trek. You like mm-hmm. Star Trek to be, um, to to be kind of an escape for you. Mm-hmm. And Star Trek has. But do you also like old Star Trek? And Star Trek has traditionally been something that holds a mirror up to our society. And you care very deeply about social issues, and you live that life every day. So I'm kind of curious about how you feel that tension is playing out in Picard, which I know also has other things that you don't like, like the violence, but setting that stuff aside, Mm -hmm. how you feel about Star Trek bringing in these things. Um, I don't, I don't mind that, but it is, I'm, and I did, there were enough things that I enjoyed in the episode that, that I had fun watching it. Mm -hmm. And so that, you know, and I think it's kind of like what Bill was touching on some of the mystery aspects or wondering what was going to happen next kind of stuff. I enjoyed that. But, um, but it, it's like when the mirror is held up so closely, (laughs) it's kind of like when it's not like, um, an allegory, but it's like, no, this is literally what's happening right Mm. now. Like that. So some of that, but you know what, we need to face it. And other people, I mean, I do, I am, you know, engaged in this stuff all the time in real life. Um, and, but a lot of people who watch Star Trek maybe aren't. And so it's probably good for this to be happening even if it's maybe not always my cup of tea. No, those are excellent points, which is where I'm really glad I asked you that just now. Because uh, I think I think that is that is a critical difference because some of the people who maybe react a particular way to this, we are engaged in a way that, that maybe, you know, even if you're just reading about it, mm-hmm. that maybe some other people aren't. Mm-hmm. But anyway, uh, I'll jump to my rating. And, and so all of you can get on with your evenings. I am a nine on 10 with this episode. I actually thought I would rate this much lower, but then talking about it with you, all of you realized I'm, I was w- left way more excited about this ep- uh, after this episode than I thought I would be. So it's a strange case of y'all didn't necessarily convince me to put my rating up. I convinced myself while talking to you about it. <laughs> <laughs> Which then brings me to the fact that I'm deeply grateful that all of you spend every week an hour or two with me talking about Star Trek. So thank you, Bill. Thank you, Adam. Thank you, Emily, for doing that. Thanks, Always Josh. Thank here. you, Josh. It's a good yeah. time. Yeah, yeah, of course. Thank you, Rudy. Thank you, Max. Thank you, Dinah. Hopefully, we'll see you at Star Trek RPG on Thursday. Uh, and thank you just to Guha for recording our theme music. And thank you, dear listener, for making time for us in your busy weeks. Uh, and special thanks this week to the LAPD, who really don't start chasing cars until about 30 minutes in. Um, 
it would be really kind of <laughs> I, I didn't want a car chase scene I'll be particular I'll be honest with you so just to see that car just doing crazy things without like pee woo pee woo funny story there was actual pee woo pee woo happening outside my window it was very confusing what was on screen and what was not what was outside my door that being beyond the point I'm just deeply grateful to the LAPD for not starting a car chase until about 30 minutes after it starts so with that see you next week everybody goodbye mm-hmm. bye bye, bye.